And now, prepare yourself for a journey into the imagination as we go on a quest for a hero in George, George Lucas's Lucas Super Live Adventure. Welcome to Star Wars Collecting Cosmos, a celebration of collecting miscellanea. I am joined tonight by Marjorie from Star Wars Action News and Marvelous Fitch Toys. Hi Marjorie, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? Uh, I'm glad that we finally got this one going. It's been a little while since we've been doing this, so. <laughs> I'm also joined by Amy from Nerdventions. Hi Amy. Hello. Hey, hey. talk about Star Wars. <laughs> Amy's been pretty busy lately doing um, blog posts for the, uh, for the archive now, so that's pretty cool. It's been fun. And we have a, an awesome special guest today. We are joined by the one and only Steve Sansweet. Hello, Steve. Hello, Ryan, Amy, Marjorie. How is everything going? It's going well. We're starting to get excited Good. for all of these great conventions that are coming up here soon. I can't believe this year is going to be probably the most exciting year for Star Wars fans uh, you know, since 1977. And then we didn't know what we had, so maybe this year is the year. I think you might be right. It's looking really exciting with everything we've got going with the convention, a new movie, Rebels playing. I'm sure we're going to see tons of merchandise by the end of the year. Oh, no. They're, they, they've decided to hold back all the merchandise until 2017. <laughs> well, they're going to make it cheaper on us. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and reduce the price in half. Yeah, oh. it'll, go, it'll go on automatic sale at 50% off. And anybody who believes that <laughs> is listening to the wrong podcast. <laughs> Are they going to issue IOUs for Christmas? Uh, uh, no, I, I, I think we're going to have to issue them IOUs for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> you can just have your track direct deposited somewhere into Disney accounts, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, okay, there we uh, go. March, uh, I've had that happen for the last 37 years. Yeah. <laughs> you think Lucasfilm paid me? No, it was like, okay, we'll subtract that from your check. You still owe us. Uh. Employee samples. <laughs> yeah, right, as if. Well, tonight we're going to go back in time and talk about something from the early 90s, and I'm betting quite a few of our listeners have no idea what it is, and that's the George Lucas Super Live Adventure that happened in Japan. So we should probably start with what was the Super Live Adventure, and I think Steve has a good description, don't you, Steve? That was one of the tchotchkes that was for sale at the George Lucas Super Live Adventure, which was an arena show in Japan that started in April of 1993. And it was the idea of Kenneth Feld, the guy who runs the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus and also does ice shows. And you combine that with Japan and add in Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Willow, Tucker, the Man in His Dream, and American Graffiti, and wind that all into one giant stage show with a fully inflatable Millennium Falcon, horses, tigers, falling rope bridges, um, and tons of incredible tchotchkes, that was the super live adventure. <laughs> I've seen pictures of this, and it looks crazy. At the same time, I probably would have loved to have seen it. 
I know I first learned about this uh, way back uh, in the old Lucasfilm fan club. They had an article about it, as well as they sold some of the merchandise from that. Right. Um, and before we get to talking about some of the uh, merchandise that uh, that came out of that, Steve, do I understand that you know about some concepts that maybe weren't produced at all from that for merchandise? I've got about uh, 24 boards of uh, potential merchandise and point-of-purchase uh, stuff that uh, hand-drawn of things that were not produced. It's hard for me to believe that there could have been any tacky things that they did not produce, but there were enough. So yeah, so we've got you know, we've got the stuff that they made, uh, and the stuff that was a part of the concept that they never made. I mean, but it all it all goes back to uh, this totally totally bizarre show. How do you tie all those disparate movies together and come up with a theme that actually works? There, the best story on Super Live Adventure was ever that I've ever seen ran on tested.com in september of 2013 written by wes fenland if i can quote one of his uh, one of his uh, uh, observations this was the most bizarre celebration of lucas's films this side of the star wars holiday special <laughs> <laughs> which i think this is a show they spent $25 million on. They got Japanese companies to to come up with this. They put all of these together, and then they're faced with, okay, how do we tie all these movies together? And so, of course, and they wanted it interactive, and interactive became creating a new character, and this new character was a, a Japanese-American actress who was an audience member, sort of like Cirque du Soleil. You know, there are people planted in the audience. And that she was, you know, sort of randomly picked as the show started. And she would travel through all of these film uh, worlds with, with a magic wand that she got from Willow, because, because Willow was, was the first. But we, we, we saw poor Willow get cut in half, but then he... He magically came back again and gave her a magic wand. And so she was using this to try to find a hero to fight all of these powers of evil that went through George's movies. I guess for Tucker, that would have been the Securities and Exchange Commission. But but I, but <laughs> I, I begged. And so, and then at the end, you know, after all the singing and dancing, and yes, there was singing and dancing and all that stuff. She discovers that she is the hero, and she is carried off to greater glory and the next show. <laughs> I'm glad you got that out of it. I know I've only watched bits and pieces of it, but I had no idea that that was what was going on. Yeah, and 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 it's really only fairly recently that somebody has uploaded semi-decent, not great quality video in about seven parts so that you can actually watch it and just sort of sit there for an hour or so with your mouth hanging open saying, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah. I remember early on my friend, Amy Takeda, who managed to get a lot of this stuff for me and was at the, some of the early press conferences when George Lucas was over there and everything. And he was trying to explain this all to me, and he sort of, he was seated like in the 97th row, and so I was, <laughs> I would see these little stick figures 
comes up front. I, I, Amy, I can't make out what what's going on here. And he tried to explain. He said, ah, but it really doesn't matter. The purpose of the show was to sell merchandise. <laughs> yeah. And, and then there was a possibility that it was going to come over here after it closed in Japan. It, it went on for about six months, I guess, in maybe five or six different arenas around major cities in Japan. The MGM Grand had just opened in Las Vegas, and they had this big outdoor amphitheater. But it turned out that the sets were so big that it, and the rigging that without a major overhaul, it wouldn't have fit even in their large arena. And I think by then, Lucasfilm was a little less entranced with the whole project, and so it it never came to the U.S. And I can remember how deeply deeply disappointed all us star wars fans were never having had a chance to see live live <laughs> I, I know i was kind of disappointed it never came over here after reading it reading about it um i just wanted to see it it was amazing to see you know at that time in 93 94 new star wars content we hadn't had it had that in years nothing nothing yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that was pretty amazing yeah Marjorie, did you ever hear about this at all, or not until probably in the last like decade or so? It seems like it's a it's like an urban legend stuff of lore because none none of it was around. And like Steve said, I don't think that you know I don't think anyone really knew too many people who had ever seen it because it was in Japan. And I even asked Arnie, and he's like, I vaguely remember something about that, but I don't think I've ever seen anything on it. So it's. I don't. Nice to know that the urban legend is kind of true. <laughs> yeah, and that's what. And that I totally agree with you. It did become sort of an urban legend, with the exception of something in um, Bantha Tracks, and then um, some resurrection. This this story on on Tested dot com came about because they they did a tour here, and they did a um, they did. A, I forget whether they did video or or just uh, lots of pictures and an interview, and I showed them a one of a kind photo book that I had that had been given to Lucasfilm and then eventually thrown away. The Super Live Venture, and they said, "What? What? What the heck was that?" And then they did some research and found the guy who was the stage manager, and he had a copy of the script. He had his recollections. He had some photos. I let them use some photos from my book. And so this wonderful story, which told me a lot more than I ever knew about Super Live Adventure than, than ran. And uh, it's it's where I get a lot of my background information because watching the video, yeah, doesn't tell you very much. No, it really doesn't, especially because it's all in Japanese, too. <laughs> I try to watch the thing from beginning to end, and I don't know what happened still. <laughs> Yeah, I did the same thing. Well, that's, then it's a pretty good comparison to the Star Wars Holiday Special, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yes, but at least with that, you, you come up with some things that you can, you know, some quotes that you can use and things like that, and you have some funny parts. This, I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was just a matter of doing really big scenes that had some story, but... Lots of lots of action and 
and that was the main thing because again it was an arena show which meant place where the uh, hockey or indoor soccer or something like that they used a lot of 70 millimeter film from from all of the movies they used tons of scenery and all kinds of you know the best special effects and lighting effects and things that they could do and originally it was planned as a 20th anniversary kind of event they they couldn't get back together early enough and the economy sort of crashed and so i i don't know but they were 15th anniversary of that and then they they eventually uh they eventually um, put it together okay so here is the opening announcement from the announcer and now prepare yourself for a journey into the imagination as we go on a quest for a hero in george lucas's super live adventure Uh (laughs) nicely done okay (laughs) Well, yes. You know, even with what we know about it, I, can we all agree that if it come to the United States, would we have all gone to see it? Duh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> you had me a giant inflated Millennium Falcon. Well, yeah, and it was like it was like full size, but it was only like the like half of it or a third of it. But they had, you know, a real tiger. You remember the scene where the tiger attacks Indy? Yep. Uh, gee, uh, yeah, okay. Um, so... Yeah, they they played a little uh, <laughs> a little loose with with things, but they did have the you know they did a lot of stunts. Like as I said, they had the suspension bridge from uh, Indy, and it was you know like high above the stage, and it collapses. And they had the Ark of the Covenant, and they had the face melting. I mean, giant sets that were you know that had to be moved and changed and uncovered you know I, I i highly suggest that our listeners go online hopefully the story is still is still listed at, at uh, tested.com again it was on september 5th of 2013 and it was just called the george lucas super live adventure it is the fullest story you will ever read about this thing because even at lucasfilm i mean there are people there who were sort of involved but clearly they just they just let the feld organization do everything that the, the, there was no i mean they they looked at the script they gave them some feedback but as you mentioned there was really no star wars happening back then and so this was just this goofy kind of thing that they were you know making a licensing fee off of nobody really thought that much of it i'm not sure in today's terms, it would even fit into the legendary catalog. I think it would be so off the books. That's why it's sort of sort of a lost classic. <laughs> yeah, classic. <laughs> classic, yes, classic. Well, obviously, Wait, you guys do know that that there are like Marvel shows touring the United States like this right now, right? Oh yes. yeah. Yep. And, and 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 a lot of the Disney on Ice, I remember there was the Ewoks on Ice as part of one of the years the um the ice capades. There's never been a, a full Star Wars Ice show, but you know, knowing Disney, anything is possible. And um that that shows like this can be brought back because it is place based entertainment and it, it is a way to you know to bring you know something that okay you you normally have to go to the parks for this and as we all know they're 
going to spend vast amounts of money to add uh, Star Wars, more Star Wars sections to a lot of the Disney parks, although over over many years. But this is a way to bring the experience closer to home. Disney's been so successful in Broadway, and uh, it, it's just another another method on another level to add to the excitement and the merchandising because there, there clearly is not enough Star Wars merchandise out there or about to come out there. So yeah, we can always, we can always hope. <laughs> and that kind of brings us into our next uh, topic, which is the merchandise that came out of this. As you said, Steve, they, they said they made this kind of just to sell merchandise and there was a lot of it. I know I learned about it, as I said, through the, um, the Lucasfilm fan club, and they sold a bunch of the merchandise of this through the Lucasfilm fan club. Now, I actually picked up a few items. There was two different lightsabers that I picked up, which I'd never had one of the vintage lightsabers as a kid. So this was like my first lightsaber with the two of them that came out. And I actually had one that didn't work too well, so I bought another one. So I have two of the smaller one and then one of the it, larger Jedi. Yeah, it's marked. It's marked. It's marked Jedi Star Wars Jedi Knight lightsaber. And of course, as we all remember. The uh, the hilt is gold, and um, the tube is about uh, maybe two feet high. Yeah. But uh, so my my friend Amy, who went to the show, said so. What this was all about was there would be one of the scenes, and then there would be an announcer who would get on the loudspeaker who would say, and this went throughout the entire show. And you have to know that. Especially back, there was a homogeneous nature to the Japanese public, uh, uh, public, and so especially when you go out in public and you're you're taking your kids to something, and if everybody else is doing things, so he 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 told me so the announcer would get on and would say something like, "Attention, Japanese parents! In five minutes, all Japanese children." will light up and wave their Star Wars and Super Live Adventure lightsabers. <laughs> you still have a chance to get one. And, and, and there were like dozens of these souvenir stands, or there were guys you know, just going down the aisle just right at that time, uh, coincidentally with whatever the hell they were hawking. And so this was, this was the way that a lot of this merchandise was, it was guilt merchandise because if you know if you know your neighbor kid had one well you couldn't be there without you know your your own kid having one so uh yeah there there was a lot of that so i'm i'm holding up my two foot jedi knight lightsaber it's um it's 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 pretty cool there was a thing that befuddled me from the beginning and you know there is this thing called persistence of vision so Things move fast enough. You see something that isn't really there, but it's your eyes sort of make it happen. So there's this gold thing that looks like a New Year's Eve kind of noisemaker. And there's a handle to it that looks like almost like a lightsaber handle. And this gold plastic box that wheels around and spins around when you move it. And there are like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lights on an alternating orange, uh, red and green. And then you turn the light switch on and all the lights go on and sort of buzz. And then you start flipping it around at exactly the right number of revolutions per second. And, and I've just tried it again because I had forgotten what it, what it said. And I've made out the word live a bunch of times 
And so it, it must say something like George Lucas Super Live. That's not very exciting. <laughs> say, like, may the horse be with you or something like that. But it's virtually impossible to read. And I may, just, may be doing it too fast or too slow or I don't know. But I can imagine I can imagine all the little kids in the audience spinning this thing and hitting the neighbor kid in the head with it. And <laughs> quite a while. Then there was, uh, oh, I think my, my favorite was sort of the alarm light. So this is uh, on a stick, again, sort of uh, lightsaber hilt light. And there is a bright light inside and a little mirror on a slant and Darth Vader's head on the top. And you spin it around, as I'm doing loudly now, and then it, the light looks like a siren light from a police car. And so you you would blind the neighbor kid with this <laughs> And it's blue for some reason, so I guess we're blue over dark. It should have been red. Yeah, that would make more sense. Maybe he's a Jedi spirit. Oh, maybe. So all the stuff, most of the stuff, by the way, has the 1992 copyright date, even though the show was not until 1993. Oh, fair. You know, copyright dates are usually pretty good. They weren't. They weren't good in the very early days because they kept the 77 copyright for years for Star Wars stuff. And I don't know if you've noticed, but all the new merchandise that's come out, they don't have years on them. Oh, really? So it always used to be copyright Lucasfilm 2007. Copyright, you know, whatever the year that it was made or that it came out, it's all gone. Yep. And so future historians are really going to get mixed up. I hadn't even noticed that. Yeah, yeah, I, I was sort of amazed, but uh, you know, as you said that, I had to pull. I have the George Lucas Super Live Adventure mug right here next to me. Uh huh. And yeah, sure enough, it has the '92 date on there. Yeah, um, I actually hey, like, which 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 mug? The one with the logo and the straw in the top, or the one that's shaped like R two D two and becomes a bank? Uh, or is it a different one? Or is it, or is it the plastic one with the aqua handle? <laughs> so I have, which, I have the R two D two one, but it's not actually what I'm looking at. This is a black mug with gold highlights that has a picture of George Lucas on the front and says George Lucas Super Live Adventure on the back. Brian, do you have my address? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that one I may not have. <laughs> wow! Wow! I got this to the fan club. Merge so. our collection. <laughs> Well, I, I couldn't find everything. I have a shelf that's that's filled with this stuff. Do you have the popcorn bucket? I don't. I, I, I think I only got the mug, the R2 mug bank, and the two lightsabers. Um, right. And, I was kind of young at the time. I wanted, like, the, the, the alarm clock. I thought that was really cool with R2 and 3PO it, on it. The, the alarm clock is very cool, and, in fact, it sort of is a takeoff on um, what I have is from one of the TV networks that was a co-sponsor, and they had on their reception counter in the network a countdown clock. And so in Tokyo, the show was from September, it looks like September 15th to September 26th, and they had a little sticker over that, and then the clock would count down the number of days until the first show, I guess, and it uses... The, the R2 and 3PO, it looks like the original Kenner ones, but, but molded in resin. And then they did that as sort of the clock that was for sale, too. Interesting. And then there's a, um, a Yoda that's a sort of plush with a rubbery 
head, yeah. and they used exactly the same Yoda at Star Tours Tokyo. Oh, interesting. So, uh, yeah, so um, that that was really interesting. Except the Star Tours Tokyo one is much darker. Oh, this the skin on the uh, on the face is really very dark green. And then we have the alleged Tyvek cap, which is just like I don't think you could hold the grapefruit in it, um, and and a jacket. And uh, let's see what else. I throw these things around. Little a little black um, little black bag uh, with uh, tie strings at the top that just might fit a smaller size Indiana Jones idol. Oh, of course. We have the Super Live Adventure mini towel that has. Let's see what logos we have here. Return of the Jedi, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Empire, American Graffiti, Willow, and Tucker and George Lucas Super Live, yeah. Three pen set, two pen, no, one pen and a scratch pad, and then the magic wand, of course, which very much goes with, uh, you know, with uh, what we had. It has this, I'm amazed this hasn't leaked. So this has a very viscous solution inside. And it's filled with these uh, sort of uh, little teeny gold beads and gold stars and planetary shapes. And I'm trying to think or see. And let's see. Yes, there is definitely a Tucker. And that is a Indy. And it must be something Star Wars in here. Hidden all this muck. Yeah, I can't see it right now. Oh, this is really gross. Jeez. I'm such a lucky collector. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so cool stuff. And then there were the the non-produced items. So. Those are the best. Okay, so you want me to go through some of these boards here? Sure. Well, you at least have to talk about the Kleenex box. Okay, well, that is my favorite. I mean, I have two favorite items. Let me uh, let me sort of go through here and find. Uh, I just came across the stormtrooper water pistol, the stormtrooper rifle water pistol. So exciting! So here we have a big box of facial tissues with the George Lucas Super Live Adventure on it, and it has a Darth Vader head on the top, and the tissue coming out of Vader's mouth or the where the screen is on the on the face plate. <laughs> oh my God. Like, yeah that's that's my favorite i think um there's a death star watch that you open the two halves of the death star to see the digital time there were little plush things that they did and we see uh let's see chewy r2 3po vader yoda and then something that you would assume is Indiana Jones, but looks like looks like somebody's really angry and about to whip you with a blackjack, which is his whip, I guess, and um, and just has um, unshaven. I wouldn't want to meet this guy anywhere at uh, at night. And let's see, there's an R2-D2 whose chest opens, and he's a calculator. And my other favorite, which is an R2-D2 staple gun, oh. which actually makes some kind of sense. And so it's you press down on R2's body, and that's that's the top of the staple gun. 
and that looks really, really sort of cool. I'm surprised that hasn't not been made. (laughs) Well, I am too. It's a companion piece for the Sigma C3PO tape dispenser. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite pieces, yes. Then we have this weird plastic, what I'm assuming is a plastic Vader sculpture. It's clearly a light. And you can see the light in, in the first picture. You can see the light shining through his eyes and the grates and everything. And, and then you can lift up his helmet, and he has a bald head, and that becomes the light, too. So it, for some reason, it looks like Homer Simpson to me. It's just like uh, it's like Homer Simpson with a bald, just, yeah, oh, my God, that's so bizarre. Okay, and we have a model of a Tucker. Here's the clock which they actually produced. Then there was another clock with Vader holding his cape open with his right arm, and there was a Death Star with uh, with a clock. Actually, it says P.O.P., so this may have been one of the uh, possible countdown clocks that they that they didn't make. So there's some there's some indie love here. So we've got a little statue of. Indy carrying um, Marion and the base is full of snakes, uh, but Indy does not look upset. And then we have, oh God, of course I'm blanking, uh, Short Run and uh, Willie. Willie, yeah. Willie Scott, yeah. yeah. And, and they're in the mine car, which is also a sculpture. And Willie looks like she is about to be, they both look like they're about to throw up. <laughs> and um, it's just, I mean, I realize it's supposed to be fear, but it's much more like, oh, my God, I drank too much. And, and, <laughs> and we have, let's see, oh, a very bright uh, varsity jacket in red and yellow with all kinds of logos on it, one of which looks like Mount Rushmore. Oh, no, that's uh, Han and uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Like Mount Rushmore. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. And another, another clock, another POP clock with just baby R2 and baby 3PO on it. And then a, um, a um, chess set. So they had two possibilities on the chess set. One, the, the chess board would actually, it looks like it would be on um, like at-at legs and had cannons underneath it. And that's the chess board. And the other chess set, uh, actually, this is pretty cool. It was a large Death Star that opened, and all of the chess pieces were on the two sides inside the Death Star. Wow. But maybe that went with this. So that was where you you had the pieces. The chess pieces were clearly designed by someone with a, oh, I would say 1930s fashion influence with a lady's uh, uh, high-shouldered uh, gowns. And, I mean, it's just looks a little bizarre. <laughs> okay, so getting to us Ewok fans. Yay! Okay, so here we go with the Ewok ice sculpture. <laughs> oh, I and, did not see that. Well, no, and I didn't either. I mean, it looks like it's sculpted in ice, but I'm, uh, I'm guessing this was supposed to be faceted glass, and all of the Ewoks and the base look like multifaceted, I don't know what, but, but glass, yeah. And then next to it is 
you know those um, what do they call those uh, big globes that you you put your your hand on and the gas inside moves around and causes different colors and like a static yeah but it, it's sort of like that but yeah but they've been around since since the 70s or the 80s and this one has one of those globes in a uh, Dagobah tree and with Yoda meditating in front of it. <laughs> He's holding his cane in his arms in such a way it looks like he may be about to break it. So I would be really careful with that one. Then let's see. Then we have the uh, Staff of Raw Metal and an indie um, idol, which they never made. Uh, oh, they did actually make a – there's a pencil that you can twist into Indy's uh, whip and a pen that looks like a lightsaber, just a, a weird – Puzzle in a Tray, a Super Live Adventure Notebook with uh, Indy and 3PO, the best of friends, uh, Playing Card Deck, Indy is the King, and Vader is the Jack, so you can explain that to me. Um, I mentioned the uh, the water gun, which actually looks a little obscene, so we won't talk about that anymore. <laughs> um, there is a sort of a baby Chewbacca backpack. I mean, Chewie looks like a little... You know, like the anime Chewy, but very cute. A uh, lightsaber umbrella. It sort of has a lightsaber handle on it, but the only thing that would let you know is a lightsaber is the umbrella cover, which is in neon green. Otherwise, it's just like a regular umbrella. And and these look like uh, refrigerator magnets. We have a fat um, 3PO and a very round-faced, uh, Yoda and a Tucker with its grill that looks like it's smiling or snarking at you. And those are the things that never got made. And, you know, it's the, it's the treasure chest of lost toys, toys never to be. Do, do you know if any, oh, we got a joke out of this show. <laughs> do you know if I'm any sorry. of the stuff that was never made ever came out in some other form at all? Um, not, these exact things, some of the plush actually came out um, also in 93 from the Kara as claw machine prizes. You know, you put your yen coins in and you operated like uh, like the claw to pick a prize. And they had uh, four different plush dolls and they looked look a little like like these plush, but there was no uh, angry indie among that. And we know for sure, yeah, there was an R2 calculator, but it, it was not um, anything that looked three-dimensional as much as, and big as this. But we still have to get the Vader tissue box and the Vader stapler uh, made because those are pretty cool. And and the, and then, yeah, the Homer Simpson bald Vader lamp is, uh, <laughs> is, is a true prize. It's waiting to be made, um, so uh, you know, we'll, we'll deal with that. But. Sounds like a craft challenge. I well, know it does. <laughs> you know what? I think we should get some of these. You know, the people have done Star Wars musicals, and and we know the Star Wars trilogy in thirty minutes. We need to get some folks really sort of jazzed up and do not the twenty million dollar version, but to actually do a stage show based on the George Lucas Super Live Adventure. <laughs> I'm sure incredible. we would all pay big, big bucks to see that, wouldn't we? 
I bought the collectibles. Uh, well, yeah, if they, if they could get a license to make the collect. But it was, uh, it was amazing. I remember when my friend Amy first told me about it, and I kept asking him, would, would you explain that to me again? <laughs> and because back in those days, I mean, I think we were still corresponding by letter. Um, we, we may have had emails back in, we may have been corresponding by emails in 93, but my first correspondence for years with, with AMA was through, uh, through letters starting in 1984. And he is why I have such an amazing collection of vintage Japanese items, uh, uh, solely because of him and, you know, going out, lo people love spending my money for me. And I, you know, and I, I get some really cool stuff because of that but uh, he had he also had an amazing collection um that was about six feet deep and by that i mean many japanese people live in very small apartments and ama's apartment was one room and very small and his collection filled his apartment to about six feet deep all over the place and so there were a couple places where it was only two feet deep so you could walk on it <laughs> <laughs> until until he starts shipping things to me, and uh, you know we were we worked together. Amy, Amy did the first Star Wars Chronicles book with uh, with a friend of his, and uh, that was a book, uh, the, the amazing book where we first saw so many of the photos from ILM and the creatures and things that had never been seen before, and uh, that was a book that the head of publishing thought was a stupid idea. But since some Japanese publisher was willing to pay for it, it would never be a book in the U.S. Um, but go ahead. And, of course, once the book came out and everybody understood what it was, then it got a U.S. publisher, Chronicle Books, and uh, and then we did the uh, the prequel version. But that that was uh, that was all Aimee. And Aimee and his friend Sejay also did the the first Star Wars action figure and toy book, which then I did a version of in the the U.S., but they were they were responsible for that. They were hardcore fans who would sleep on the you know I'd, I'd find them, and this was this was in my house in Los Angeles, and so you know on concrete floors I'd I'd find them. They'd be working all night, and they'd be just curled up on the concrete floor in the morning when I was going off to work at the Wall Street Journal. But you know they. Found all these goodies and we're taking a billion pictures and and that became the the first Star Wars uh, action figure archive book um, that was uh, that was revised and translated from from their work. So you know it's um, y you never know where Star Wars friendship and a letter or a pen pal or you know, uh, a, a Facebook contact are, are going to lead you. And that's, I think, for all of us, which meant, what really makes Star Wars so different than anything else is that amazing sense of community and fans and collectors willingly helping other fans and collectors and knowing that something is your, you know, is, is the thing that you've been looking for or is the thing that you specialize in. And, yeah, it's sort of neat. I'd like to have it too, but... You know, it really belongs to you. It's just like everybody knows Gus Lopez is the serial king. So if there's a one-of-a-kind serial thing, you know, I'm going to alert him to it. If he says, oh, I already have that, then maybe I'll bid. But if he doesn't, you know, it's all his. And um, that's why I love this hobby of ours. It's, it's as much about people as it is about the stuff. 
And that's what I do at Rancho Obi-Wan when I lead tours is talk about the stories behind the collectibles or how they came to be or how I came to get them. And, and they're just, they're just all great stories. I could lead six hour tours. I probably be a little demented by the end of those, but um, as it is, you know, they're, they're sort of like three hours because there's so much to talk about. And, and there's so much in the way of, of connections here among fellow fans and collectors all over the world. I absolutely agree with that, yes. And now that I've carried this entire show on my back, I would like to hear from a couple of ladies who are... <laughs> I agree. Uh, well, go ahead. Marge, 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 Marge has fallen asleep. No, Marjorie. I, I've been sitting here listening. This stuff's fascinating. I thought we lost Marjorie. I <laughs> no. I, I have the sniffles. I'm trying not to sniffle a lot, too. Oh, okay. Okay. But, I mean, I think, I think we're Thanks. all agreed about about the nature of Star Wars fandom and what and what makes collecting what adds that extra level of collecting is we're not hoarding this stuff and we're not locking our doors i mean you guys up in seattle have done some amazing stuff i think C- seattle is the vortex of star wars collecting and you've opened your homes to fellow collectors and and have had you know some some amazing tours and uh, amazing meetings. Of, that's that's what makes it fun is is the sharing of this stuff. You know, not being some hermit and oh <laughs> I've got my little blah blah blah. Nobody's ever going to see this. I mean, how boring. Well, well you know, it's it's, re- it's really true. And you know, when I was a uh, collector in the '90s, I was very much on my own. But I think that's just because I was younger and I. I heard about Sarlacc on TV, but I had no idea of how to get into the club. And then six, seven years down the road, I got the opportunity to go. And it's that decision of knowingly wanting to be a part of the community. That's what changed everything. Yeah. That's when you're making connections and meeting people. Like if I told my 13-year-old self that I would be talking to you, Steve, on, on the phone, I would be shocked. Because I'd be I shocked, to, too, because I, if you're talking to your 13-year-old self, that means you got <laughs> problems, kid. True. Well, but. well and, then, and then what, what uh, Marjorie and Arnie have done over all of these years among, you know, some of the, 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 the very first er, the early podcasts and, you know, what's a podcast? Oh, Oh, that's, oh, yeah. oh, really? Oh, that's cool. And being out there and being among the pioneers and yet, you know, sharing as, you know, now there's a 10 new Star Wars podcast a day, as we know, <laughs> True. all of which have a mean audience of three, but, you know, it, whatever. I mean, there's just, there's, I mean, that's a, a choice a Jedi has to make. It's, it's, it's not easy. There are, it, it's just like when we started, celebration we patterned it after comic-con on a much smaller scale but we always knew that we wanted to have three or four different tracks of things going on number one because you couldn't accommodate everybody in the same place at the same time but also because people have different interests and they've gotten into star wars in different ways some just the movies some the legendary uh, <clears throat> expanded universe, uh, some very specifically the vintage uh, collecting, some, you know, it's, it's all different kinds of fans, and but they all make up this broader community, and they can all enjoy 
everything else that that goes on. And so I remember saying at Celebration 2, these are not easy choices to make because you're going to see two things against each other and you're really going to go want to go to both. But you, you have to make those decisions. Artie and I went to our first celebration, and it was Celebration 2, and we weren't married yet. We were getting married the next weekend, and we ditched all the wedding planning just to go to Celebration and had the time of our lives and decided we want to do this all the time. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, that was that was the first indoor celebration. <laughs> Since Celebration 1 was under a couple of very leaky tents in Denver, and I thought that was going to be the end of Celebration, and instead people came away with it. Yeah, there was a lot of groaning and moaning. But then you get somebody like Anthony Daniels, who was just a huge sport and walking outside in the rain and making sure people in the lines were okay. And, um, and you know, we, we did the best, we did the best we could and people really appreciated that. I can remember <laughs> the first collector's panel led by Gus and Duncan, and it was on a sort of, uh, outdoor truck. Um, and, uh, it, was like a grandstand kind of thing and of course it was pouring but i think they got in one or two panels on i mean it was like maybe your hallway that was as big as 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 it was maybe the size of a small bathroom but i mean there were there were other collectors there who really wanted to take part and from that we we've grown into this amazing collecting track that fills up all the time could be a little because of the goodies that that we pay for to give away to other collectors but we love doing that and it's uh again it's the sense of community i can't stress that anymore it's not about okay well what's the value of your collection i haven't the foggiest notion what the value of my collection is nor do i want to be so scared to find out but it's not about that it's about the cool stuff and the cool people and it always has been for me and it always will be well Including the George Lucas Super Live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, so Marjorie, have you ever looked at any of the merchandise at all? Did does Arnie have any of it, or did, did you have anything no. to say about that? Or uh, no, you know, I looked through some of it that you sent, and you know, it's typical stuff you'd find at a, a show like that. If I went to that, I'd probably buy a whole bunch of stuff. When um, when the Star Wars. Oh, what was it called with the symphony that toured a while ago? Star Wars in Concert? Um, yes. We went and bought a bunch of stuff like the program and tote bags and all that stuff. It's Just because you like merchandise. to relive that experience. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so you it, like to relive the experience. And, yeah. and that, that's the fun of that stuff like that. And that's a lot of this is souvenir merchandise. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, so it works. it works for what it is. The prices were probably uh, a, a little expensive, but uh, it was a pretty expensive show. Nothing in the story, you know, indicates whether it made back its money. But the fact that uh, the fact that they were even considering uh, doing it in the states shows that you know, and, and and actually, before I forget, it did live on a little because the costumes, as weird as some of those were, many of them were purchased by Disney for later a couple of years later for the walk around characters in the park for when they opened star tours lucasfilm hadn't paid much attention and then they started the initial star wars weekend as a one-of-a-kind thing and maybe blah 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 and one of the licensing people went down there 
took a look at these costumes, which had been built in 93 for the Super Live Adventure, and said, these really stink. <laughs> you, you've, got, you've, got to, you've got to get some really good costumes made if you're going to do, really, Star Wars weekends again. And so someone that we all know actually has fairly recently acquired the Darth Vader mask from Super Live Adventure via Star Wars and Disney. Um, and so there are still some artifacts out there. We keep saying, you know, is there any way that the inflatables still exist? But as this, as this article indicates that all that stuff, after waiting a couple of years, keeping it in storage at great expense, and it becoming obvious that this show had no future life, they destroyed everything. <laughs> but the costumes. And so some of those costume pieces now are especially the vader helmet are in private collections and that's so cool to know because there's so much stuff that that has been destroyed and other stuff that would have been if it hadn't been for collectors and frankly historians of star wars fan historians of star wars managing to get a hold of some of this stuff and keeping it and keeping some of this history alive and and you know what people can still remember and talk about it yeah because it would be you know surprisingly falcon <laughs> yeah right surprisingly there's a number of pieces on ebay it's still just a merchandise which i was surprised to find from from uh, super live yeah uh-huh yeah. well maybe i in that um, black mug that i don't have there's quite a few of the lightsabers yeah there's quite a few of the lightsabers up right now and some, you know, paper and stuff. But, yeah, I was surprised to find some of it on eBay. And some of that stuff may have been the stuff that was shipped over to the fan club yeah. and ended up not being sold from there. So that's that's possible. And, you know, got past them. The Japanese don't sell very much stuff on eBay um, because of the language situation and because eBay in Japan is nothing. It's Yahoo Japan where all this stuff gets sold. But you need somebody to speak Japanese, um, really, to buy anything on Yahoo Japan. But, uh, yeah, I wonder where, where that stuff's coming from. But it's cool that it still exists, and it ties back to that strange history. And and there is a story, and there are people who remember seeing it and, and have managed to live despite that. Uh, <laughs> And, 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 and not be committed someplace. And, you know, from some of the photos, it looks, it looks cheesy and tacky and sort of fun at the same time. And we, and we have to thank Hiromi for all of that because she saved the galaxy by using her magic wand and defeating evil. <laughs> so remember that we, we need a Hiromi action. If we can get Will Rowood, we should get a Hiromi action to figure out. <laughs> And um, and that would be the most obscure action figure ever. Looks so. like a side profile of George Lucas's face on the card. Yeah, well, that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd yeah. be fun. Yeah. Well, he was he was he was over there for uh, for the press conference in front of it, and they they said that you know they they did all these special effects, and it was like a thousand lasers hitting him and uh, <laughs> walking through this glass tunnel, and oh my god, and, and all these journalists, and this was the man. This was this was the famous man who's now trying to get a museum built. Yeah. But again, I commend this article to you because it's got some neat pictures, a few of which I supplied, and more that uh, more that they uh, found. 
tested www.tested.com and September 5th, 2013, the George Lucas Super Live Adventure by Wesley Fenlon. Yeah, I know. So, I'm definitely going to check that out. Give you, Probably post a link will on give the Facebook you a, page. Yeah, it will give you a lot of a lot of wonderful, wonderful background. Excellent. Well, does anybody have any last bits to say about the Super Live Adventure? Amy? I would go if it was <laughs> in the U.S. <laughs> And I would love to buy the plush Ewoks because I still don't have those. <laughs> Marjorie, any last words? Yeah, again, I would probably go. And this is something where if this came out when I was a little girl, I would have pestered my parents to take me to this endlessly. And as an adult, I probably would have gone for the cheese factor because it would probably be really cheesy as an adult. And it looked like it was. And I'd probably buy a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> I, I, I'm just looking at I because I just copied this article fairly recently, and I see somebody went earlier today, and, and no, 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 I take it back. I, I, I copied it when it first went live, but I can see one of uh, one of the uh, one of the posts was, "Holy crap! Where was this when I was a kid?" <laughs> so yeah, I think that pretty much sums up all of our feelings. <laughs> Well, I want to thank you all for joining us to talk about the Super Live Adventure and all of its cheesiness that there is. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Amy, for joining us. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Marjorie. Thank you for having me. And, of course, thank you, Steve, for all the wonderful insight. My extreme pleasure. Let's do this again sometime. <laughs> Sounds good. Maybe we'll get you back for Sigma or something like that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's a deal. That's a deal. <laughs> we definitely have to do Sigma at some point, so... Yeah, I've got some stories to tell you about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if you anybody out there has any questions, comments, suggestions, or would like to pass on any information, you can go through our Facebook page or contact us at swccpodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to bringing you an interesting episode full of fun, laughter, and a little bit of the oddball look at Star Wars next time. Thank you for listening, and yub nub. Double, double, Darth Vader. Oh. Oh. A bizzoo.